This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Who would be left standing in an all-out brawl between 1980's most iconic heroes and villains? Enter the Thunderdome and let's find out. Once again, it's time for the Idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Hey, welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of judges. Judges. Oh, yeah. I picture something more ominous and futuristic, maybe like Judge Dreads, you know, helmets mm-hmm. and everything. Yeah. Sweet. We are the law, we're justice, we're whatever he says. I don't know. <laughs> hey, today on the show, we're going to be judging the first round, round one of our Smash Madness 2021. 32 fictional characters enter the Thunderdome, and only one will ultimately leave at the end of March. But every Monday in March, we're going to be judging whatever round we're on at that time. Round 1, Sweet 16, Elite 8, and so on and so forth. So for all you folks who've actually gotten your bracket in, hey, you have a chance to win a mystery box filled with vintage 1980s goodies. That's awesome. And if you want an idiot's t-shirt or mug, we'll throw one of those in there too. (laughs) And you'll also earn our respect. And you get to dunk on Bart Arnold, you know, last year's <laughs> champ. If you'd like to follow along, you, you can find the brackets on our Facebook page, The Idiots, 80ITS. And if you'd like to play along, starting with the Sweet 16, because you, you're late, you didn't get in this first round. If you send in your Sweet 16 and forward bracket before Monday, March 8th, uh, you can play. But since you have the benefit of knowing the round one winners after this episode, you won't be eligible to win the Sweet 1980s Mystery Box but we'll award uh, some item of Idiot's merchandise to a latecomer winner. So every every Monday we'll touch base on uh, the different rounds that we're in, but obviously as it goes on, it'll be less a portion of the show. But today we've got to go through 16 matches. Yes. And just one real quick uh, show item. Don't skip ahead. I'm going to be doing that from now on, right? Once I get in the groove of doing some kind of, you know, shtick, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. have a, a note, and we are long overdue to, to mention this, in our special segment that we call... Thank you for your cooperation. We got a note from new listener, Scott Johnson. I believe Scott sent this to us on Facebook. He writes, really enjoying your podcast. I am a new listener, born in the 60s, grew up in the 70s, spent my teenage years in the 80s. You guys bring back a lot of great memories. Keep doing what you are doing. Thanks, Scott. That's so excellent to hear from you. And we're so glad you found us. Yeah, we appreciate that. Thanks for the comment. So, yeah, and hey, if you'd like to send us a message, you can visit us on Facebook and do the same. We're the idiots. Did you guys know, did you know you were listening to the idiots? 80ITS. It's a portmanteau of 80s and idiots. Ray hates the name and hates the theme. He said yes to all these I, things a year and a half ago, but now he hates everything. I hate the, I hate the word portmanteau. Oh. <laughs> we got to, I, I swear, every week I think about showing up with a list of words and just seeing which ones you hate. Ever since you said you hated that one word. Okay, hey, let's get caught up on 80s news. Today on 80s news, we have learned via The Hollywood Reporter that a host of classic MTV shows are getting new lives. Not on the cable network, but on ViacomCBS's streaming platform, Paramount+. Plus. So (laughs) that's probably the bad news. I guess the bad news in this is that if you want to see these shows that are being brought back, these old shows that we grew up with, and new versions of them, so maybe you don't want to see them at all. 
You need another channel. Now Paramount Plus. So so what are these shows that they're rebooting? I'm just going to blow through a couple here. One, there's going to be some new, uh, was that Real World? Some new version of that. And there's going to be another behind the music, you know, from their VH1 show they had. But most importantly, they're bringing back Yo! MTV Raps. Oh, joy. Yeah. Does that mean that uh, Ed, Ed Lover's coming back to do the dance? We don't. <laughs> yes. The 45 King. Yeah, I love that song. No, we don't know who the new host is going to be or whether the old hosts will be returning. I know that Dr. Dre's been having some health challenges lately. But if you remember the show, which was the first hip-hop-focused show on MTV, when it first uh, aired in 1988, its first host was Fab Five Freddy. Mm -hmm. Of course, the show ran in 1995, and ultimately, as you point out, Dr. Dre and Ed Lover were the co-hosts of the show for, I think, the longest stretch of the show. We don't know who's going to host it now. And I guess, you know, as I say this all and get excited about Yo! MTV Raps, I don't want to hear about any new rap. Nah, I'm not interested. You know, I watch that show a lot just for the two hosts. Yeah. Because, you know, rap, I can take or leave most of it even back then. But, you know, they did have a lot of stuff that I liked that they played. Because for me, mainstream rap was much more entertaining than, you know, underground stuff. But those two are always funny. So whoever they get the host has got to be funny. And by God, if they don't do the dance, then that show needs canceled the the first <laughs> night. Yeah. I can't imagine the, the, it having the charm. And you're right. You point out that it, it needs to, you, you'd hope, and Fort Beats is successful, certainly to capture our interest, it would have to have that same sort of fun. Yeah. But one of the problem, issues I take with the contemporary rap and contemporary popular music altogether is, like every other form of media, it's dark and edgy now. I don't know if the young people love dark and edgy or just producers and the old people running these companies think they do, but 80s hip hop was great because of how light and fun it could be. Sure, we had gangster rap and we had, you know, all these diss records, but a lot of it, most of it was fun. Yeah, I mean, you had Run DMC, the Fat Boys, uh, Young MC. I think the first time I heard him was on Yo yep. MTV Raps. Yeah. So yeah, I like the light and fluffy, but I mean, I like NWA as much as the next guy, but I, I prefer... A little more fluffy rap that's fun. Yeah. I don't know that we have any of that anymore. I don't know that there's anybody that raps in that sort of spirit. <laughs> the, the last one I can think of would be Macklemore with that thrift shop song. That's the that, last one I can think of. That's exactly what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, and that also felt like hip-hop. A lot of the music now, I don't know, is, is Drake a hip-hop artist? I have no idea what yeah, he is. I, I think maybe he's considered hip-hop. I, I don't know. Well, all the stuff I hear, it sounds just terrible. I thought... I. I thought he was just a meme. <laughs> He's not a real person. Yeah. Artificial intelligence created him. And, and then there's like a whole genre of rap. It's like a subgenre that's mumble rap or mumble core. It's literally like you can't understand what the, the rappers are saying because they just kind of, you know, fump for their way through the yeah, I've said this before, man. I, I'm, I think mumble rap might be the future for me because <laughs> I have mumble already. <laughs> I would definitely way uh, be more interested in hearing your rap album than any contemporary rap album by the most popular artist out there. Yeah, be a lot of Casio and me mumbling. Tell you that right now. Hey, that's like the old. Well, minus the mumbling. I mean, you know, Casio and all. It's taking it back to the basics. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I don't know. We want to yeah. see it, but they, they can just not do that. That'll be fine. <laughs> yes. Okay. Hey, in other '80s news, we got an update to a story that we we. We first talked about a long time ago. So uh, 
And this comes to us via the, via the metrotimes.com. Uh, it's a Detroit publication that's available online. A decade later, Detroit's crowdfunded RoboCop statue is finally complete. So we had talked about this quite a while ago. Uh, starting in 2011, there was a movement to bring a, a statue to Detroit that would have the same sort of uh, stature as the statue of Rocky had in Philadelphia. Yeah. And it became RoboCop. Yeah, and I, I believe people have probably already knocked it down if it went <laughs> up, right? No, it's not like the Detroit in the movie RoboCop. It, this is a real Detroit, which is uh, oh. just slightly <laughs> slightly less dystopian. <laughs> I, I, hey, Detroit, I don't know. I've never been there. I don't know much about, about it. Um, I have. Oh, you, do? you know what I noticed <laughs> most about Detroit? Cars on fire. No. Uh, I walked into a restaurant and they did not have a smoking ban in restaurants and it'd been a long time since I'd been in one and it just smelled like an ashtray. Okay. So that wasn't recently, but it was probably after we no, had it, it was, in Ohio, you're saying? Yeah. But I still don't think they have a smoking ban in Detroit. Oh. <laughs> That's because everything's on fire. See, again, I don't look, I've never been there. I don't know. I just go with the movies. Well, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, the, the project was uh, crowdfunded. And within just 24 hours of announcing that they wanted to build a RoboCop statue, it went viral. Uh, in fact, even uh, Funny or Die released a video of RoboCop uh, lead actor Peter Weller talking about the project. By the time the funding drive was over, six weeks later, more than 2,700 backers had pledged more than $65,000 to construct the RoboCop statue. Uh, so cut to 10 years later, it's done. It originally, it was going to find a home in the Michigan Science Center, but although they had planned to install the 11-foot-tall bronze sculpture adjacent to the center, the Michigan Science Center has since passed on it. So they're going to put it in storage for the time being until it has a new home. I don't know. This story seems, the whole RoboCop statue thing is just weird from the get-go. Why the hell it takes so long? Mm. Uh, are they hoping in 10 years that people assume it was a historical figure <laughs> and they teach it in school or... or <laughs> You know, I yep. thought you were going to say that the museum closed. It's been so long since mm. they agreed to put this thing in front of it. Like, yep. you know, just take it somewhere in Detroit and just set it up. Yeah. Who's going to be able to move it after you do that? Nobody's going to, nobody's going to take it. Yeah. Who would want it? You need two forklifts to move it. Well, technically, you could probably take a, a semi-truck and pull it with a rope. I mean, you could get yeah. it if you wanted it. <laughs> now this but, sounds like a challenge. Okay, yeah. put that statue somewhere. Are, are we giving prizes away for somebody bringing us the statue? Oh, well, <laughs> maybe the, maybe for Smash Madness, that should be the prize. The RoboCop statue. Mm. And there you go. Okay, hey, in other 80s news, we learned this from Deadline. Frogger, the arcade game, leaps into television with a competition series ordered at Peacock. So, you know, Peacock is NBC uh, streaming yeah. service. So you need that one too. Now this one, unlike when we talked about, you know, what Rubik's Cube, we talked about Tetris and we're like, well, what, what, what are you doing with these properties? What they're doing is a straight up, uh, you know, a, um, what are those shows called? Like uh, American Ninja Warrior? Uh, or, um, game show. Uh, yeah. One of those game shows where you gotta, you know, leap around different obstacles now, this one is going to be, um, though, it's going to be based on the 1981 game Frogger. Oh, man. People running through traffic, jumping on logs. <laughs> I'm in. Yes. Yes. Now, <laughs> now, you were great at the actual Frogger. You could be great at this one, too. The series will feature 12 obstacle courses or crossings, seeing contestants dodging traffic. Oh, man. Leaping over snapping gators and hopping over hungry hippos to conquer the course and win a cash prize. Yeah. What? What do you mean dodging traffic? I, I absolutely 
want to see this show and Peacock's yep. free, man. I already have it. It's free. Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is awesome because right. I watch, uh, what is it, uh, American Gladiators all the time on, uh, was it Pluto TV? Okay. Yeah, I think it's on that. But man, if I watch that show, I'm definitely yeah. watching people get hit by cars. <laughs> I'm wondering what it is. I mean, obviously, look, we although we'd love to see them really dodge cars, I mean, that would be a level of entertainment we haven't seen yet. We're getting there in the world, but- you know, that's almost like Running Man or, you know, kind of level of entertainment. Uh, what is it going to be? Giant uh, vinyl or, you know, uh, fiberglass models of cars mm-hmm. that, you you know, you'll get knocked around, but you can't get killed. I don't know. I kind of hope it's kids with those, the cardboard that you draw the cars on <laughs> and, and they're just running yeah. back and forth and you have to try and get around them. Yes. <laughs> You're right. You know what? This seems like a, a good way of adapting a video game. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you could do Rubik or Tetris in any way that would be reasonable, but this translates. Yeah, I think this sounds awesome. I'm wondering if the one, you know, when you to simulate the uh, log jumping and that sort of thing, will it be in water? You know, is there a safe way to do it where you could be hopping from moving safe. logs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't want it to be safe. I want it to be like wipeout and traffic. I mean, that's, I want it to be like trying to cross the street on your way to get to the ball game. Yeah. When you're, when you park, when you park down the street, cause you're too cheap to pay the extra parking. So now you're running across eight lanes of traffic right. and then you get to yeah. the other side and there's water with logs and dudes dressed up like crocodiles. I, I don't know how it works, but man, I really want to see this show. This sounds awesome. And I say safely because I still have the documentary Class Action Park on my <laughs> mind and all the heart. Look, again, you should check it out if you haven't seen it. We did an interview with Seth Porges just a week or two ago. It's it's riveting and it's hilarious. But when they tell you about how some people died, it's terrifying. And one of them, if you remember, is what, what was it? One of the bumper boats where there was an exposed... Somebody uh, uh, that's the, the canyon thing where you ride in the inner tube and you spin around. But okay. he got he got stuck and got out and got electrocuted. But wouldn't it be yeah. awesome? This the Frogger thing comes up on the TV, the logo, brought to you by Action Park. <laughs> oh my God, would that be awesome? But see, you would be expecting someone could die. You would, and that's what brings people to the TV. Oh, uh, we're getting there, man. We're getting there. Baby steps. <laughs> Baby steps. Look, and if we get to the point where we're willing to kill people on TV or have people die, there's a ton of 80s video games that could be adapted, hey, you know? Any number of them. There was a time in the world when people lined up down the street just to watch people get hanged for fun. Oh, boy. So, mm. we've already been so there. Just com- we've already been there. Yeah. We're coming full circle. Yep. Hey, everything old is new again. That's right. <laughs> well, we look forward to checking out uh, Frogger, maybe the first time that a video game's been adapted into something that made sense. Yeah. And that was 80s news. Dun, 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 dun. As we mentioned earlier, today we're going to be determining the winners of the first 16 matches of Smash Madness 2021. So we've got a lot of fights to go through today. Except, uh, look, a lot of these I think you could burn through because, you know, when you look at uh, the matchups, I, uh, maybe someone's going to crush the other person. Maybe I want to play devil's advocate on some of those. You bring up a good point because it's too late for anybody to enter. But we advised folks on Facebook <laughs> yeah. that are a member of our Rumpus Room, and if you're not in it and you listen to the show, you should go there because that's what we talk about, you know, ins and outs and get your feedback to help shape the show. You got to use your imagination and play to the judges. Yeah. So, hey, if you listen to the show, you know how you and I think. Yep. And uh, so, yeah, you could be creative and come up with a way that somebody, you know, within the realms of their character and our imaginations could 
turn the tides and we can have an upset where a 15 seed defeats a number one seed. Hey, you're getting it. Yeah, my wife told me that phrase. <laughs> I'm not I, I'm not kidding. That's exactly. Okay. All right. So, hey, let's just go through it, I guess, right? Yeah. So, I'm somewhat regretting pushing for, you know, I think I was pushing for it. I don't think I was being too obvious, but I was in my mind at least pushing mm-hmm. for weapons. And mostly because I thought it would just make it more interesting for the conversation. Yeah. Otherwise, we're just talking about who's got the reach, who's got the weight, the strength, maybe the skills, you know? True. And uh, I think that would be as fascinating as saying, Indy's got his revolver or Indy's got his whip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it brings up some challenges. I think just as an overall statement to say that, we can say that, look, not every shot lands. These guys aren't always great shots. It's a pressure situation. Maybe some of these guys got plot armor. Mm-hmm. They're the hero of the film or the story. So, you know, they have a little more, <laughs> it's a little less likely they'll get shot or certainly shot in a fatal way. They could get winged. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I think anything's fair game, like you're suggesting. Right. Are you ready? Yeah, as ready as I can. All sure. right, let's do this. First up, John Rambo versus Jack Colton. Of course, Jan, John Rambo is the uh, protagonist of the Rambo franchise, mm-hmm. and Jack Colton is from the Romancing the Stone franchise. All right, I guess we got to make some decisions here, right? We said iconic yeah. weapons. Rambo's used a lot of things, but there's only a wow. couple things come to mind that that he would maybe have on the, him. The knife with the compass. Yeah. If he has an iconic weapon, by far, that's it. I agree. He's used a ton of other weapons, bows and arrows, yeah. M16s, rocket launchers, but yeah. And so Jack Colton, what about Jack Colton? His wit would be his best weapon. <laughs> yes. Now, when he's introduced in the film, he does have a shotgun strapped to his back. He does. Um, and he uses it to scare off the guy who's uh, going to attack Joan. Yeah, and I think that goes against him in this fight. Okay. Um, shooting to scare doesn't really help you win fights. Yes. Okay. But also Rambo doesn't really want to hurt anybody either. So yeah, he just wants to be left the f- alone. So. <laughs> now, I guess if you're coming out at, at him with a shotgun though, or now the premise of this is right. Look, these folks are put in like a Thunderdome situation. Yeah. They're told only one of you guys is going to leave, but you're right. Maybe the character of somebody will say, look, I just got to take this person out. I don't need to murder them necessarily. Yeah. I just got to be able to leave alive, I suppose. Although Thunderdome is to the death, right? Yeah, but I mean, we don't have to, we could just say whoever the the winner is. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I think the heroes then maybe on, are mostly going to behave one way. That's yeah. a little more uh, noble. <laughs> yes. And then once the villains get involved. <laughs> it's a whole different ball game. Friggin' bloodbath. But, All uh, right. So John Rambo's got a knife and uh, Rambo's got a knife. Colton's got a shotgun, let's say. Yeah. They probably just draw down on each other, feel each other out. They know only one's got to leave. The other one's got to take the other one out. So yeah, maybe Colton shoots, fires off a warning shot. Yeah, I, I got to give this one to Rambo. There's there's not a, a chance in hell that Colton's going to win this thing. Yeah, I agree. So that yeah. that one was pretty easy. He's got the military training. He's got the strength. The dude's shredded. Yeah, he's shredded in that movie. I think Jack Colton's got the reach on him in this one, but I don't think that helps when the guy's waving a big knife in your face. Yeah, and he knows how to use it. And if he gets yeah. lost, he's got the compass on the back. Right. I, I can't find I, my I, opponent. Where is he? Due north. <laughs> and then he hits him on the head with that part of yeah. it, knocking him unconscious. All right, John Rambo then. Yep. Uh, the next one is Mad Max, obviously from uh, Mad Max, Road Warrior, Thunderdome movies. Yep. Versus Ripley, which is obviously from the Alien franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
this is another easy one for me. Mad Max wins this one. I I don't have a big long story to go into why. Well, because I don't want to be I don't want to be considered. You know what? You know what I'm going to say. I'm not even going to say it. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. What could you be considered? Well, let me let me throw some uh, you know challenges at you here. All right. Let, oh, let's make some decisions. So Mad Max, I think most iconic is his sawed off shotgun. Yeah. Right. And Ellen. Now in the now aliens, if we want to really stick to the 1980s, aliens is the 1980s film, and in that she's walking around with a pulse rifle that she has outfitted with a flamethrower. Yeah. Now, just like you said, she's she's all you know, like these heroes are. They're not necessarily looking to kill another hero, and she's only killing aliens in that film. She's not going hand to hand with anybody except when she has that suit on at the end and she goes against the queen alien. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they're going to fire on each other. Would Mad, Mad Max, I don't think, would fire on her. And she probably wouldn't fire on him. Yeah, I think he's more likely, though, to shoot her. Mm. If he had to, I think he would definitely shoot her. Yeah. Is he going to shoot to kill? Is he just going to wing her? He's going to wound her? He, yeah, he would probably wing her. Maybe punch her in the face a bunch of times just to make yeah. sure. But Now, based on the actors who portrayed the characters, I did look up some sizes in case it came down to reach. Yeah. Mel Gibson's about 5'9", and Sigourney Weaver is six feet tall. Yeah. So I think she could just, you know, do the old Popeye thing or just <laughs> plop her hand on his head, and he wouldn't be able to hit her. Now, if she's uh, wounded, though. Uh, males are definitely stronger than females, though, so I think the height differential doesn't really matter in this case. It depends on the male and female, too. But, I, I mean, I, I would take... Any character played by Ronda Rousey or uh, Gina Carano against Mad Max any day. Yeah. But in this instance, Mad Max is, he's kind of thick and Ellen's, you know, she had her weapons. Mad Max gave us the sense he could throw down. Ellen, she, if she didn't have a gun, she was probably not going to be able to yeah. uh, fight. All right. That's all right. So Mad Max. Yeah, I got to go Mad Max this one. All right. Next up is Indiana Jones versus John McClane. Now, this is the first time I was like, all right, yeah. this is more of a challenge now. Yeah, this huh. one's a challenge. They're around the same height. McLean's a cop, so he has yeah. training. Yeah, and even though Indiana Jones is a professor, <laughs> mm-hmm. he murders people without a second thought. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is where I had to go into some, some, some of the movie background. So okay. Indy many, many times defeated military-trained personnel. Ah, very good. And so I added it up and military is more powerful than police force. So ergo, I have to say Indy would win this one. I didn't come to it the way you did, but ultimately <laughs> I think that's probably the case. And here's my reasoning. Again, looking, thinking about the films, when both faced with an adversary that you know seemed insurmountable, John, I mean, because of his police officer training said, put the gun down. You know, he was always put the gun down and then it wound up fighting. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones just shoots the guy. Right, or pushes him into a plane propeller. Yeah, or, right, exactly. Or whatever, yeah. So Indy seems more like when he's in a life-threatening situation, he just looks to kill his opponent. John McClane looks to arrest him. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so, obviously, I think Indy wins this one. Yeah, I'd like to also think Indy could disarm him with his whip, even if John had, you know, one of the guns he used in the film. Yeah, I also agree with that. The whip is a more useful weapon than the gun at that point in the Thunderdome. All right, cool. Indy. Yeah, that brings us to Matrix and Kate's. Doing okay there? Are you checking your texts? No, I got my, my chart. Oh, oh, oh. So I can see what I wrote down for my notes. All right. Now, these guys are also evenly sized. 
even though Arnold Schwarzenegger is a good probably 150 pounds of muscle more than <laughs> Nick, Nick Nolte, Nolte. <laughs> but John Matrix, former Delta operative, mm -hmm. Jack Cates, San Francisco police officer. Yeah, Jack Cates is from 48 Hours. Oh, yes, of course. And John Matrix is from, uh, com was it Commando? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's Commando. Commando. Uh, I think this is another obvious one. Yep. I got to give this one to, to the Matrix. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he wipes the floor <laughs> with yeah. this one, yeah. I think you can ground this one in the movies too, like you said. Even though Matrix, he uses a ton of weapons at the end, he makes it through most of the movie without using weapons. Yeah. Just beating people up, snapping necks. Mm -hmm. That mall fight, he beats up like a dozen cops all at one time. Mm -hmm. Jack Cates, he, if you remember, he gets so mad at Eddie Murphy's character, he challenges him to a fight. Yeah. He says, you know, you're going to tell me what's going on or you're going to get your beat. And then Eddie Murphy nearly beats him up. Yeah. So ultimately he wins, but Eddie Murphy's, he's, he's you know, <laughs> ducking and, and getting some jabs in and he's really fast. So Yeah. I agree. I think this is another first rounder that's uh, easy to decide. So yeah, when you got those, you know, one seeds versus eight seeds and two seven, all mm -hmm. that, it's it's going to be like that. Yeah, it's going to set up quite a challenge. You know, when we get to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, it is. All right. So Colonel James Braddock was from a Missing in Action franchise mm -hmm. versus Roger Murtaugh from the Lethal Weapon films. Yeah, of course, James Braddock. He's a smaller guy as far as stature goes. Roger Murtaugh is six four. Braddock's 5'10", but five, he's a former military guy who spent time as a captive in uh, Vietnam. Mm -hmm. He's got martial arts training. Murtaugh, I think the only fist fight that comes to mind to me is when he's he's beating, he's fending off those guys at his, in his house at the end of Lethal Weapon 2. And ultimately, I think he only wins because he uses a nail gun. Yeah, and I don't think that would be his signature weapon. So right. this is another one I thought was pretty easy to figure out. I think Braddock wins this one without rigs. I just don't think this guy can win this one by himself. Yeah, even if even if he had his revolver, you know, he had that uh, three three fifty seven Magnum. Mm -hmm. Even if he had that, by the time he did that neck roll thing that he had to do, <laughs> yeah, in order to aim, and then he had to say some catchphrase, right? <laughs> right. Braddock would be all over him. Yeah, this one would, kick him in the yeah. face. This is another easy first rounder. All right. So so far we've been doing pretty good on uh, agreeing yeah. on these, which is I thought we would would have had a little more uh, conflict, but yeah. Uh, we got Sloan, which is right. Van Dam from Kickboxer, right? Versus uh, Nada, mm. which is uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper from They Live. Mm. I kind of would like to really see this fight. Yeah, I mean, so would I. in one sense, because I think it would be great. Of course, Kurt doesn't use any weapons. He's a smaller guy in stature compared to Roddy Piper, who was six one. Mm -hmm. But in the movie, certainly he's got martial arts skills. Although I think in the film, he's not an expert at the beginning. It's his brother who gets paralyzed. And then he has to train very quickly to avenge his death. I don't remember. He must've had some training to begin with, but he does get training in the movie in order to avenge his brother. Yeah. Of course, he's like an expert by the end. Well, of but, course, that's how movies work. But Nada's got that incredibly iconic alley fight, uh, you know, when he's fighting against... Uh, Keith David's character, mm -hmm. which seemed like it was choreographed by by Roddy Piper. Oh, actually, it was. He was is that right. Yeah, he, he was responsible for that one, which is you know why they needed him in that movie. Yeah, hey, that's a great movie. He's great in it. Mm -hmm. Sad that he's gone. Ultimately, I think Sloan would get it because of his training. But I don't know. Not as like a he's like you. He's just a tank. He's gonna take a <laughs> kick to the face, and then he's gonna just come up with a elbow drop. Yeah, this was really hard for me because Rowdy Rowdy is my favorite wrestler of all time. Mm. 
But I had to go with the kickboxer on this one. Mm. I really, I, mean, I just don't think, I just don't think the wrestling is going to help you against a kickboxer. Yeah. Even one that's only half-ass trained. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, it, it was, it was tough, but in the end I, I gave it to kickboxer only because I know Van Damme is actually, actually trained. So, but I mean, I'm using some, some meta knowledge there to kind of True. do this, but. I well, wanted, yeah. I wanted, I so badly wanted to give it to, mm. to Roddy, but I had to give this one to Sloan. Yeah, I would love to see him beat up JV, what is it, John Claude Van Damme, JCV, JCVD, <laughs> whatever the initials are. Jean Claude Van Damage. Oh, yeah. And you remind me that uh, Keith David's character holds his own. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. even match till the very end. Mm -hmm. I love that moment where he accidentally smashes his car window in with the, <laughs> like the two by four. And he's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. So that was easy too, I guess. Well, it was harder. Yeah. That was, that one was probably the hardest one so far. Okay. Um, next up is Nico Toscani versus Axel Foley. When thinking about this one, I also wanted to sort of, like you're saying, bring in meta mm -hmm. knowledge, but it might not even have to be meta. You know, I watched this like, uh, some martial artists really break down like Steven Seagal's technique. Mm -hmm. Like, is he really a good fighter? And this one guy was arguing that no, he's not. And they were showing clips of when he was younger, the form he would use, the moves he would use, you know, through his films. And he basically does like the same three moves according to this martial artist. It's just this one rehearsed sort of thing. It's, it's kind of like Elvis with a chop scene in that one movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't know, but that's like you said, it's meta. So, but mm -hmm. within the movie itself, I don't know. I don't know if it seems like that. I guess I'd I guess I'd be borrowing that knowledge to to take Nico down just because I don't know. I'm not a huge Steven Seagal fan anymore since he's like a KGB agent now. <laughs> and I love Eddie Murphy and I love Axel Foley. But I, I do love Axel Foley, but man, this this is another one. It's like I wish I could give this to yeah. Axel, but I can't. I can't. Yeah. I don't think we get to see a whole lot of fist fighting of Axel. There's that one moment at the club, uh, at uh, Country Club, where um, Jonathan Banks' character comes out of him, he throws him over the... It's supposed to be him. If you look yeah. at it, it really looks like Eddie Murphy suddenly becomes Richard Pryor because the stuntman is like right. a lot thicker and has a Richard Pryor mustache. But otherwise, he's relying on his guns. And Nico is really good at disarming people. And <laughs> yeah. Seagal's got like a, at least five or six inches over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and the, Ni the Nico character fights way more in the movie. So He relishes it. Mm -hmm. All right. Nico Toscani. Right. Uh, that brings us to uh, Snake Plissken and yeah. Kyle Reese. Kyle yeah. Reese is from The Terminator. Obviously, Snake is from uh, Escape from New York. Hmm. Uh, not even going to lie. This one's Snake for me. Is it just because of your love of Snake Plissken and Kurt Russell? Uh, it's Kurt Russell. He's got an eye patch and a big snake tattoo on his belly. So, obviously, that makes you a badass. Well, I was thinking maybe having an eye patch maybe affects his depth perception. Yeah. No, in the film it doesn't. He's still a well, once again, yeah, like in the fighter. film, he's just firing guns. Yeah. Like he's yeah, so he's fine. Imagine if he took it off and was just using both eyes. Maybe it's a handicap he puts on on purpose yeah. to give people a chance. Right. It's kind of like in Princess Bride when the man in black fights with his left hand. <laughs> yeah. I am also not left-eyed or whatever. He takes yeah. off the patch. Yeah, I agree with you. Kyle relies on his guns mostly. Yep. I think both of which he steals from police officers. Mm -hmm. Snake. 
he's using a lot of weapons too, mostly a Mac 10 throughout the film. Well, actually snake gets both of his guns taken from him at some point. The Duke takes the Mac 10. I think the Adrian Barbeau's character has his Smith and Wesson with the sight on it by the end of the movie. I don't remember how she got it. So I guess it probably would come down to a fist fight. And if it comes know? down to a fist fight, I got to take snake in this one. Yeah. They're relatively the same size, but you mm-hmm. do, you do get that vibe, right? It seems like Kyle Reese, you get the feeling like maybe he was working in an office till they sent him back in the past. Yeah. He seems like he could live in our neighborhood and like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey guys, I got to go back in time and do some stuff now. So I'll check, get the water cooler. Yeah. Well, like, sure, Kyle. Yeah. yeah. Traveling back in time. Sure. Kyle. His name's Kyle. <laughs> right. Come on. Snake versus Kyle. All right. Snake's got that one. All right. And you know what that gets us to? I think it gets easier now that these people just don't have any morals or yeah, this boundaries or. Yeah. This one's got a lot easier to figure out. But also, yeah, the, the difference in the seeds on this one makes it a little easier too. <laughs> But that's fun because it'll set up some interesting fights down the road here. Mm-hmm. All right. So first up is Wes, who belongs to the gang run by Lord Humongous in The Road Warrior, the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller. <laughs> of course, he has an iconic uh, wrist crossbow, which I wanted as a kid. I think everybody oh, wanted yeah. that. Versus Ed Rooney, who is the dean or one of the deans of the high school in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look, this is going to be an easy fight. Quite honestly, I just wanted to see, I was hoping to see this so we can see a, someone beat up a real life pedophile because unfortunately Jeffrey Jones, can we say that? Is it too meta? That's too meta. Nah, I think that's fine. I'll allow it. Well, you know, and I guess it's not even meta because Ed Rooney's creepy anyway. We don't like Ed Rooney. Yeah, I mean, he's- Just a character alone. Ed Rooney's creeping around teenagers' houses. Like, right. what, what, what school principal does that? Right. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> like literally he's in the house. Right. Remember Jennifer Gray kicks him in the face and is like, creep. <laughs> yeah, that's a great scene. Right. So she beats him up. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What, what, what chance does he have against the Mohawk donning, uh, maniac? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This one, <laughs> this is another first round ass whooping. Mm. The 16 seed has, has no chance in this one. He's going down. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see this one too. Okay, Wes takes that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No problem. Uh, that brings us to John Kreese, <laughs> who is the obviously the Karate Kid sensei in the original movie, and also yes, uh, Cobra Kai, come back. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, so great in that. Yeah. And his opponent is Mama Fratelli. From the Goonies. Now, Mama Fratelli, she's got a revolver usually with her, right? And it's, she does. It's got like a dirty, hairy lo- length, uh, you know, long barrel on mm-hmm. it. And any woman that would lock her son up in a dungeon, mm-hmm. you know she's dangerous. That's true. Uh, you know, I don't know that we get a sense of how good a shot she is with that, but I don't know. Is this the upset that we could, uh, that happens, you know, every now and then? No. <laughs> I got to go with nope. I got to go crease on this one. Now, I definitely think she would shoot at Crease immediately. She would, but he's got military training, That's true. as we found out from his backstory, which we already knew because the picture's on the wall in the original Karate yeah. Kid. And Martin Cove is a Vietnam vet in like every film he's in in the 80s. Right. And, and there's the speculation that the other movie is the, is the prequel to Karate Kid, the one where he's going into the jungle. You're talking about Rambo 2? Yeah. And he's going into the jungle and he says, uh, when I get through this sh- I'm going to open up a, a karate school for kids. <laughs> Come on. Does he really say that? No, I do remember he, he him. He doesn't being, actually say it, but <laughs> I mean, if they I could do go remember back, him being in that movie. If but, they could go back and fix that oh line, God. that would be hilarious. We've got to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. He's not going to be certainly intimidated facing down the barrel of a gun. Nope. 
Uh, he's not going to be intimidated by Mama Fratelli because she's like all of four feet tall. Yep. So her only chance would be if she could, you know, sh- shoot him. Yep. And she comes from the Goonies, so the odds of her actually getting off a good shot are not very good. So. Yes, the results would be hilarious. That's true. <laughs> they would be. Yeah, one of her sons, I think, was responsible for killing the only person that gets killed in that film. Where's the, the two guys, the two agents that go yeah. to their uh, restaurant. One of my favorite, she's one of my favorite impressions that I do. Okay, let's hear it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that sounds just like her it's good right what, what part is that from um, i don't remember what part i yeah. think it's when he's like telling her that she's that she's bad yeah 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 yeah, yeah. towards the end oh of the movie gosh. that's hilarious <laughs> so that must roll right into a great uh throw mama from the train uh impression when she says owen all the time right remember that yeah all right so next up is khan noonian singh mm-hmm from the Star Trek Wrath of Khan against Brad Wesley. Brad Wesley is the bad guy in Roadhouse. Yeah. So, look, this this may be our least fair character in here, but everybody in this is a human. Maybe they're from different eras and different parts of the universe. But Khan is a engineered superhuman. And technically, he's close enough to a human. Though. Well, he's definitely a human, but in the future, you know, they genetically engineered these, what they called human augments. Mm-hmm. And he was one of them. Now, we don't, I don't know that we get to witness his superhuman strength in the movie. I don't remember. We certainly do in the TV show because he was an original character from the original yeah. series. He crushes Kirk's phaser, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And he tells Kirk he's five times stronger than he is. Oh, we do get to see how strong he is in the movie because he picks up Chekhov with one hand. Yeah. But, but what's hilarious is in the TV show, after Kirk's getting his handed to him by Khan in a fist fight, Kirk like takes like this rod out of one of the computers and beats Khan with it. No problem. And Khan flees. So well, the superhuman guy gets his beat by like, you know, essentially a broom handle. The only thing that saves Khan in this fight is that Wesley is in no way, shape or form fit to fight him. Yeah. Now they were probably, the actors are probably around the same age at the time. <laughs> right? I mean, Brad Wesley's yeah. like probably in his sixties. Yeah. And Ricardo Monto was probably in his sixties. But I think Ricardo Monto was kind of, Kind of a little ripped. Remember, he had a lot of the movie, he had his shirt was off. Yeah. Anybody who runs around without a shirt on, they're obviously going to yep. win a fight. Mm. I mean, you're not doing that for no reason at all. Yeah. And I think other than what Brad, when he's fighting against Patrick Swayze at the end, he has like a spear or something. He, mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, I mean, he gets his ass whooped, right? He's worthless. I don't even know why he's in this competition. Con wins. Now who put him in there? That would be me. Put most of them in here. All right, Con. So now that brings us to Ivan Drago, yeah. Rocky Four, and his opponent is Stan Gable from uh, Revenge of the Nerds. This one's pretty pretty simple. Yeah, I think Drago would just annihilate Stan. Oh my gosh! Yes, I, I don't think an- this is a fair fight. This not this is not fair any way, shape, or form. Now some of these are, seem like uh, exhibition matches, like stuff we would just love to see. Yeah, well, these are first round bouts, you know. Yeah, of course. And I'd love to see Drago knock Stan's head off. I mean... It would be funny. I mean, Dolph Lundgren's got to be a good foot over Ted McGinley. <laughs> if not a foot and a half. I don't... Yeah, I could just see Stan running around trying to avoid getting killed. Yeah, trying to he find... He's like one of those bullies that's all talk because he's got... Uh, what's his Ogre. name behind him? Yeah. Ogre there. Just but keep, when Ogre's not around... He'd just be crying for Ogre the whole time. I'd like to see uh, Drago choke him out with his uh, cardigan or that's the sweater that's around <laughs> his... Tied over his back. Yeah, I don't think this one ends well for Stan. I, I think he's beat to a bloody pulp. 
I mean, for Christ's sake, Drago killed Apollo. So. Yes, you're right. What chances does he stand? Stan? Stan's yeah. got no chance in this one. Next up is John Ryder, who's from The Hitcher, versus Richard Vernon, who's the vice principal in The Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> now, one guy is a murderous uh, hitchhiker. <laughs> yeah. The other guy is just kind of an I guess. Yep. One picks on kids. Oh, they both pick on kids. Essentially, they do young people. Well, technically, the one guy murders multiple people. Yes, and is clever, and the other can barely keep an eye on teenagers at high school. <laughs> yes, he can't even scare them into staying into the library. Yeah, this is another easy one. Mm. The hitcher wins this one easy for me because yeah. he doesn't he doesn't have morals or anything. So I'd like to see him. You know, we, we talked about this being like a death match kind of situation, but I would like to see a situation where Ryder actually hunts down Vernon. You know, across many miles. Oh my god! Yeah, just have him scared the whole time. Yeah this this movie just had its anniversary date. I just watched it the other night. So oh, is that right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm familiar with the hitcher, uh, his tactics. So yeah, this was an easy fight for him. All right, next up then is Mr. Joshua, who is the villain in the first Lethal Weapon film, mm-hmm. versus Biff Tannen, who in one way or another in the various timelines is the bad guy yeah. in the Back to the Future series. Mm-hmm. All right, Mr. Joshua, again, he's like a special ops guy, military trained. Yeah. He comes from some special unit. I don't remember what it's called. Thunder Strike or something Lightning like Bolt, that. something like that. It's definitely not called a- teenager guy <laughs> so i yeah. uh, biff's in trouble in this one i think again i wish we had the ability to you know transport these two characters to uh, murtaugh's front lawn <laughs> yeah. with the fire hydrant going off yeah and a helicopter flying overhead with the spotlight mm-hmm. and have them fight it out and you know uh joshua's uh just about to choke biff out someone yeah. wants to help one of his gang wants to help him and biff's like no like, <laughs> i got this it. no <laughs> I don't know that Biff would do that. I think Biff would be like, help me. <laughs> yes. Jesus Christ, I'm getting murdered over here. Help me. <laughs> and his, his, his gang would be gone. He'd be like, an old guy came to me and told me this was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's another one. That's an easy one. Mr. Joshua. Okay. That brings us to uh, Johnny Lawrence, the other yeah. Karate Kid villain. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ace Merrill who is Kiefer Sutherland's character from Stand By Me. So here we go again. Ace has got a switchblade in the film. Yeah, this was a little tougher. This was uh, two characters who I think Johnny's got better training, but I think Ace is more dangerous. Less uh, morals. Obviously, we see Johnny makes a turnaround, Mm -hmm. even by the end of the film where he's like, you're all right, LaRusso. Yeah, but I also think that his karate training would help him sweep the leg to keep the knife away from him. Yep, yep. And I also think that if Johnny's life was in danger, he would probably defend himself, much like he did when LaRusso attacked him on the beach. Yes, ruthlessly, after trying to steal his girlfriend. Yeah, and Johnny, uh, you know, got punched in the face, and he didn't hurt him. Yes. He defended himself. Yeah. And doesn't he do like a spin kick and knocks, oh, maybe it's the radio. He knocks something out of LaRusso's uh, hand. Well, no, he 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 uh, just slaps it out of his hands, but uh, he sweeps the leg. The first time he sweeps the leg is on the beach. And then he kind of sidesteps him. And then uh, the last time he just kicks him right in the gut. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think that would be how this this situation would go down pretty much like it did on the beach. Uh, Ace is tough, but yeah, he doesn't have, he doesn't seem to have the training. Nah. He stands behind his uh, weapon. Right. I think once his knife's out of his hands, I think he'd be in trouble. All right. Very good. All right. So that's uh, Johnny Lawrence. Yep. All right. So our final match, 
for the entire round one here is Chong Lee from Bloodsport mm-hmm. versus Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Yep. This again, Hans Gruber, you know, in the film, he's got a weapon. He's got an H&K 9mm. He's kill, he kills people with it. He kills Takagi at the beginning. He threatens Holly with it. But, I don't know, Chong Lee <laughs> blinds, uh, what's his name, Frank Ducks, I think his character is. Yeah. And it's, you know, supposedly Bloodsport's based on a true story, you know. He blinds him with some kind of powder that's uh, some liniment. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, Chong Lee's char- the character Chong Lee has killed multiple people, so. It is a Bloodsport. Yeah. It's in the title. Yeah, it's in the, it's in the title, so. Yes, and not that Hans Gruber would have a hard time or have a problem morally with killing him, because mm-hmm. like you said, he kills people in the film, but that he has the ability to kill them without a weapon. Yeah. And like Johnny, you get the sense that Chong Lee, you might try to shoot at him, but he'll, he'll do a flying kick or something, have you in the face before you could pull the trigger or after you miss the first shot. Yeah, it was tough for me because I think Hans is an iconic character, but I think Chong Lee is going to win this one. Yeah. Especially if they fight at the top of a building. Yeah, I don't care where they fight. I think Chong Lee is going to take this one. They could fight in quicksand. I think Chong Lee is still going to yeah. take this one. I mean, if they fight at the top of a building, Gruber would fall out of it. Yeah, uh, that's true. Well, he'd fall in the quicksand. He'd fall off the curb. That's his destiny. He's going to fall. All right. I think that's it then. Chong Lee. Yep. I, so I think we agreed on all the first rounders. So yeah. that's All right. It's going to get, now we know it's going to get hard though. Yeah. The nitty gritty comes next yeah. week. And meanwhile, uh, to find out to the results of this week, uh, go to our Facebook page and join the Rumpus Room group, which is uh, a page there for, for listeners like you. And it's a free thing. All this stuff is free, you know, to join these things. I know we're older folks, so we don't necessarily know that. We expect to be charged for everything. That's, that's true. But in the Rumpus Room, uh, we'll, have these, we'll have all these winners that we just announced. And we'll also have the standings, you know, for all the players that have sent in a bracket, you'll get to see where you rank among those folks. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the show... If you're late to the game and you still want to join in, all right, fine. Start with the Sweet 16. Use the winners we just gave you. You can't win the Sweet Mystery Box of 1980s vintage items, but you could still win an items of 80s merchandise, right? Okay. And it'll be a shorter segment next week. So mm-hmm. if you've already tuned out or not hearing this, or you've made it this far and are thinking, what did I just do with the last 45 minutes? <laughs> next week, it'll be a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, and we'll get to back to some uh, regular content. Mm-hmm. So, hey, look, we learned... That for the most part, you know, this round one, it was pretty clear who would be victorious. I learned some of the iconic weapons and fighting styles that these various characters would use if confronted with someone from another iconic 1980s film. I don't know if we proved anything about the 1980s. Is it possible to prove something about the 1980s in an episode where we're reviewing the Smash Madness outcomes of round in round one? We have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. Oh, okay. That the 1980s had the nope. most iconic heroes and villains ah. of any decades, heroes and villains. Absolutely. You know, maybe next year we'll have to have them fight against like 90s. Well, we already know how that would end. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Why bother? Yeah. Okay. Hey, we will talk to you next time on The Idiots. See ya. See ya.